As we do each week, we'll review with looking at last week's text. So if you've got your handout or your Bibles open, Galatians 3, verse 10. For as many are as of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 15, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed, where the promise is made, he does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So, at the bottom of your handout, you'll notice a timeline. Uh, The arrow itself printed off a little light. It looked differently on the screen. So if you can't see the arrow, just pretend there's an arrow pointing to your right. And uh, kind of the big events in history, uh, obviously creation was one of those. Uh, The flood was one of those. The giving of the law happened around 1450 B.C. Jesus showing up and dying on the cross around 30, and then present day 2013. And you'll notice that uh, there's colors on those dots. Uh, What color is the the law? Anybody see that? It's green, right? That's when the law came into effect. So if you look at the history of the Old Testament, that 4,000 period, 4,000-year period between creation and Jesus. How much of the Old Testament was covered by the law? Less than half, right? And, and many times when we read the Old Testament, we think, yeah, that whole thing's about the law. Not really at all. No, as far as chronologically speaking, less than half of the Old Testament was covered by the law. So we looked at the story of Abraham last week. Dave Barber talked to us about that. And so the question is, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which came first, faith or the law? And the answer is faith came first. Yes, so if you're a blank filler, that's your first answer on your handout. Which came first, faith or the law? Faith. Faith was around before the law. Faith was around during the law. And faith has been around after the law. So uh, kind of a theme as we go through the scriptures. Now, if you'll remember back to the very first Sunday school lesson that I taught, I had knowledge objectives for this series. And one of them was to understand more fully why the law was given, the law's purpose, and how I, as a New Testament believer, relate to the law. This is the lesson where we do that today. So, Galatians 3, verse 19, and most of you that have uh, any type of study Bible or a Bible with section headings, this section will just very clearly say the purpose of the law. It's really straightforward. Because Paul starts off the section with a great question. He says, what purpose then does the law serve? So, if we've talked about the fact that... um, from the beginning of time, faith was around, right? Old Testament saints were saved by faith. They were not saved by keeping the law. You go 2,500 years and then the law is given. Jesus comes on the scene, lives, fulfills the law, completes it. It's finished. And then we come in after that. The obvious question is, so why the law, right? So what was the purpose of that 1,450-year period where, where the law was in effect? Well, Paul answers the question, and the first three words are incredibly important. And we we like to skip over to the transgressions part, but I want you to understand 
that the law was added. And that's your next blank. The law was added. So why was it added? Well, because of transgressions. The law was added because of our sin to show us our sin. Right? And, and this, you go, well, okay, that kind of makes sense. Well, on your tables, and, and somebody, if you'll pick it up, there's a sheet of paper with incredibly small font. Incredibly small font. And, and, and I've had several of you come up to me and say, well, Jim, you've talked about the law, and you've described it, and you've given a couple examples. What is the law? Well, that piece of paper is the law. That's the 613 Old Testament rules that a devout Jew was supposed to adhere to. That's it. On, two, on one piece of paper, right? That's it. So that didn't look that hard, right? Yeah, until you start reading them. <laughs> and they're about as hard to live as they are to read in four-point font, let me tell you. It's, it's really, really challenging. And the whole objective there was for us to come face-to-face with our insufficiency, that I cannot live up to this. This bar is set so incredibly high. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. A couple quotes from commentators here. Barclay says, The function of the law is to define sin, but while the law can and does define sin, here's your blank, it can do nothing whatever to cure it. So this would be the equivalent of you going to the doctor. You've got a cough, you've got an ailment, you go to the doctor, and the doctor tells you exactly what is wrong and then dismisses you. What? I need some help here, right? We go to the doctor because we need help. We want somebody to tell us what to do to get better, to give us a prescription, to help us repair the thing that is wrong with our body. Not to just be told you're sick. Yes, I knew I was sick. I got that. That's why I came to you. I paid my copay because... Because I know I'm sick, right? I need you to help me. And the law says, you're guilty. Okay. And it naturally, it naturally forces you, once you're confronted with our guilt, to look around and go, then what's the answer? And that's part of the result of the law. That's part of the reason the law exists. Luther's got a great quote, and this spans... Um, like nine pages of Luther's quote on this. I've really condensed it here. He says, There's a double use of the law. One is civil. <clears throat> God has ordained civil laws, indeed all laws, to punish transgressions. So I've got a question for you. We're all familiar with laws in our country. <clears throat> One of those is the speed limit, right? Are we aware of the speed limit? How many of you, and you have to answer here, okay? It's one of three options. There's really only three options. If there were no speed limits... Well, half the class is grinning from ear to ear. That's, that's kind of scary, okay? So you, you kind of gave me your answer. How many of you would drive faster if there were no speed limits? Raise your hands. How many of you would drive about the same? How many of you would not want to drive if there were no speed limits? Because, <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, that, I think that might be the category I'm in because, dang, that's really kind of scary, right? If everything was the Autobahn, you got to go as fast as you wanted to. Well, do you think, and, and, and let's try to be, reasonable with our answer here. Do you think that speed limits has, have helped America or hurt America? What do you think? As an adult, as a rational, responsible adult, <laughs> trying to lead us to an answer here, we probably helped, right? Putting some level of boundaries around behavior, okay? So we're driving behavior so that we're safe. Okay, all right. Is it annoying sometimes? Absolutely. Right? Especially the guy that doesn't even go the speed limit. 
Yes, I know you. I set you up for it just so you could say it. So, yeah. All right, so, so God has ordained civil laws, indeed all laws, to punish transgressions. Every law, then, is given to restrain sin. Another use of the law is divine and spiritual, and this is and I'm reading from Luther here. That is, as Paul says, to increase transgressions, that is, to reveal to us our sin, blindness, misery, impiety. It's always a good day when you get to read the word impiety. Ignorance, hatred, and contempt of God, that is the proper use of the law, to terrify the self-righteous, to bridle civil transgressions, and then to reveal spiritual transgressions. And I love this phrase, it drives us to Christ. Right? Because we realize the complete and total insufficiency of ourselves to deal with the reality of our sin. So what do I do? If the law can't help me, who can? All right. So, back to the text. The law was added, and it's still in verse 19, because of transgressions, what's the next word? Till, yes. Now, my mom and dad are here this morning, and they are moving from Conyers, Georgia, to some unknown location in the state of Tennessee because we're awesome. Um, they brought up a load of stuff last night, and Dave Barber and uh, Daniel Goble helped unload it. And in the back of your truck was a, what was the word that we just read? Till. In the back of your truck was a? Tiller. Tiller, yes. <laughs> that is not what this is, okay? The word here is until, okay? So let's read the, let's read the verse again that way. It says, it was added because of transgressions until... So if something gets added until another event, what does that imply to you about the thing that got added? It is a limited thing. It is going to stop being in effect at some point until something happens, until the seed, if, you're, if you have a, a New King James, the S is what? Capitalized. This is talking about Jesus, until Jesus should come. So if, if you're kind of like, well, I don't really know. I think the law is still in effect. Well, you can read Romans 10, 4. It's a great reference for you. It says when Christ came, the law ended. It's very, very blunt, exceedingly blunt. So when Jesus came, the law ended to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. And you're going, I don't remember angels being in the story when Moses got the law. How many of you remember angels being in the story when Moses got the law? All right. So there was a, a belief among the New Testament rabbis at this period of time when Paul is writing that God was so holy and he was so set apart and he was so far from anything that we could directly experience that the only way God could have interacted with man was to have given this to angels and then the angels then communicated it to Moses. And the only challenge with that is it's just not in the Bible. Right? So Paul is addressing the, the present-day rabbinical beliefs of those Jews. So he's saying, even if the law was given by angels, then you've, you've actually made the law lesser than grace because grace came directly from Jesus. And the law, you even teach, was secondhand. So he's saying you're, you're once removed from God even if you believe this. Now this word mediator. A mediator is a go-between, a reconciler. All right, so... Josh, can I borrow you for a sec? Can I, yes. Thank you, sir. Uh, and Abby. All right, here we go. So in the story, um, there's a story in the Old Testament. Uh, the, the Old Testament word for this mediator uh, is, a, is a champion. Okay? It's someone who stands in the middle and fights on behalf of another. Go ahead. <laughs> You realize you need a mediator right here, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, 
So in the Old Testament, there's a story about a shorter person standing in the middle and fighting on behalf of their country and a taller person standing in the middle fighting on behalf of their country. And the name of that, and the name of that story was? David and Goliath. Very good. All right. Who does the Bible describe as the champion? Goliath. Goliath is the champion. Goliath. Yeah, that's right. That's right. See, I knew you would pull off Goliath well. I didn't get invited to the wedding, so. (laughs) The whole church did. Holy cow. All right, we won't go there. Um, Goliath is the champion because Goliath had a history of stepping into the space between two warring camps and fighting on behalf of another. Okay? Because the Israelites did not get along with the Philistines. This was a problem. Now, fast forward 1,500 years to, actually 1,000 years, to the time of Jesus, right? So we have mankind warring against God because of sin. There's a problem. There's a gap. So Jesus comes along, and he steps into this space, and he fights on behalf of another to reconcile and to mediate to bring these two parties together and notice which party moves. We move. That's right. And then we get reconciled. Isn't that awesome? He can get a hug. That was cool. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate you up this morning. Um, So we benefit because of a champion that steps into this space. So this mediator, I don't want to just skip over this word. It's an awesome word. This champion who steps into this space. So verse 20, Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Um, this is one of those verses in the Bible that there are a plethora, literally a plethora of possible interpretations. Uh, I read several different commentaries that said there were over 400 different ways to interpret this verse. So, verse 21. <clears throat> it is the, you think I'm joking. It is the law, is the law then against the promises of God. So, is this thing that was temporary... Is it against faith? Is it against the thing that God promised? Is it, is, it, was, is it opposing here? And Paul says what? No, absolutely not. Certainly not. Absolutely not. For if there had been a law given that could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. And this is as plain as Paul can make it. He says the law does not give life. It does not give life. Very simply, the law does not give life. It cannot give life. It is not the source of our salvation. The law serves as something that is sitting on your tables. Is there something different on your tables this morning? There's a mirror on your table. All right, here's what I want you to do. How many of you have uh, mirrors at home? Anybody have a mirror at home? Yes? Good. That's awesome. Uh, How many of you look into the mirror before you leave the house? Why do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. I did not see that one coming. That, yeah. um, because we want to be confronted with rea- the reality that everyone else is going to experience. Right? So if, if I, watch me now, if I need to do this, right, or, or this, or, or this, or I, I don't know, maybe like buff or something. I'm not sure how that works. Okay. Um, Brian needs to figure out how that works. So step aside here for just a second. We're going to come back to Galatians 3 in just a minute. 
Uh, we have been raising money for cancer awareness and trying to find a cure for uh, kids' cancer. Brian Smith agreed to have his head shaved this morning at the Saudi Daisy campus if we were to raise $1,000. Check the box we did. Uh, check the Stuart Heights website later today for a streaming video of that event. So, all right, back to Galatians chapter 3. So, so the law serves as a mirror, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want somebody at the table to pick up the mirror and look into it. And we're just going to pass it around. Is there anything, is there anything that you notice? Ah, thank you. There, there it happened. There it happened. It, here's what we do. We, keep going. Keep going around. Just pass it around. It is, it is in our nature. Every one of you is doing the exact same thing. What are you doing? When you look into the law, when you look into the mirror, what do you do? I, I, want, a, I want a good look because I want to make sure I'm not saggy down here or this is good. Right? We're looking around. We're making sure that we've got everything covered because it feels good when you've got everything covered, doesn't it? It feels nice when you look into the mirror and you go, yep, I've got all the... It's broken. And that is some folks' reaction to the truth of the reality of the, the Scriptures. They will look into the law and they will say, I don't believe what I see. And they put it down. Right? Thank you so much. for You're making a joke, didn't you? That's awesome. It feels so good when you look into the mirror and you go, yep, that's right. I got it. We're good to go. No problem. Mom, can you tell your story real quick? It was the first day of kindergarten for Jim. And I don't remember it was four or five. He went to both. But I needed two years of kindergarten. That was <laughs> I'm going to add lib while she tells the story here. So. Okay. so anyway, everybody is on a timeline. It's in the morning, and we're all excited. There's a lot of anticipation coming along. So my rules were... You know, we've got to get up and get your shower, and then we're going to get dressed, and then we're going to brush your teeth, wash your face, and comb your hair, and then we're going to be done. So Jim's going through, and I'm sort of following along because I want to make sure his teeth are just right, too. So he's on the little step stool because he can't see that high. And so he looks up, and he's combed his hair, and he's got a little cowlick, so it was really slicked over. <laughs> and he looks like it's 1953 to me in my mind because that's where I'm, the era I'm out of. He's got this little shirt that's buttoned up and it's collared and I mean the boy is precious <laughs> and so I, but we're just going along and he says I'm perfect <laughs> and of course he can see me I'm the big girl behind the mirror and I said and he sees my face change from like oh. and I said oh we are done we, we've got it done checked it all off but nobody's perfect well I, I, I'm good. <laughs> and I said, you are, baby, and you'll always be perfect in my eyes, but we're none of us can be perfect. Thank you, Mom. And, and isn't that how we feel sometimes, though? When we've looked in the mirror, we've checked everything off, and we go, I'm good. I'm exactly where I need to be. And this is how it feels for those of us that have experienced places where you got to check things off of a list to make sure that everything was good to go, and then you feel good about yourself, right? Because I did this. I fixed it. I brought myself into the place of, dare I even say, righteousness so that I'm okay before God. And God looks at all those 613 things, and he says, you know, I gave those to you for your safety. I gave those to you for your health. 
I gave those to you so you would enjoy life and be protected and grow and flourish and be the nation that I wanted you to be. But you have taken them and replaced me with them. I wanted the relationship with you. I didn't want you to have the relationship with these words. Right? I want to be very careful about this. The Bible is valuable. It is critically important to our lives. But God uses it to draw us to him, not to it. The object, I heard someone say the other day, we were watching, my dad and I were watching the Vandy baseball game yesterday. And one of the players on the Vanderbilt team got offered last year $2 million to be drafted into the uh, professional league. He turned it down. I'm thinking, does he not understand the objective of college? That, that this is to showcase and to set you up for the next step. The objective of college is not to go to college. The objective of college is to get something out of it to prepare you for whatever the next step is, right? This is like you don't get in your car to go drive your car. You get in your car to go somewhere. The objective of the trip is to arrive at the destination. The objective of the law, the objective of the law was to drive us to a right relationship with God so we could experience Him, not so we could check off things off of a list. You see how we make it about the list and not about the relationship? Okay. You get it with the mirror? You got it? I brought a great big mirror. Sometimes I have found when uh, people see part of their selves, they are compulsive about needing to see their entire selves. So if anybody needs to see like your entire self right now because you saw something minimally wrong. Some of you are going, I don't want to see the mirror right now, right? I, 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 that's, I'm just not interested. Yeah, okay. So the law serves as a mirror. So I came up with, with what I thought was a great illustration. I'm reading through. Last night, I finally got around to going through Luther, and I yelled from the living room because what did I read that Luther wrote, Julie? You remember? I brought you in. I showed her like nine things, sorry that Luther wrote, the law is like a mirror. And I'm going, oh, wow, that's awesome. That was cool. We came to the same conclusion. It's like the only conclusion he and I have ever come to that's exactly the same. But I felt really good about myself and my ability. And then I realized I was doing it. Like, oh, my goodness, this is so challenging. It's awesome. So Luther, that's your next blank, the law is a mirror that shows us ourselves as sinners guilty of death and worthy of God's everlasting wrath and indignation. Verse 22, but the scripture, but the scripture has confined. Does anybody have a different word for that in your translation? The scripture declares. Anybody else? Imprisoned. There we go. It's, it's shut up. It's actually, it's the word to put, a, to put a, a, the lid on something. It has confined us all under sin. And you go, well, I, I don't feel like I'm under sin. Yes, Genesis 3 is a great chapter to read about we're all under sin has confined us all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ, this is the promise that was given to Abraham that his seed would bless the entire earth, might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, this is an interesting word for, for to arrive. It's literally to make a public appearance. Before faith made a public appearance. When do you think our faith made a public appearance? When Jesus showed up, right? So before Jesus showed up, we were kept under guard. It's the same word for confined by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. This is the, the New Testament word for revelation, the unveiling, the releasing, the apocalypto, the, uh, the revealing described in Revelation. Verse 24, therefore the law was our... 
Let's see who's got a good translation. <clears throat> the law was our what? Guardian. Guardian. That's not a bad word. What, who else has got one? What was it? Schoolmaster. Schoolmaster. All right, anybody else? Tutor, right? Anybody else? Here's the Greek word, uh, pedagogos. Pedagogos. This word is the word for the person. Um, Albert, let me borrow you for a second. So let's say um, that I am the uh, pedagogos, and Albert is the, uh, the, the Jewish boy, somewhere between 6 and 16. He's got to go to school every day. The pedagogos' job is to safely, follow me here now, is to safely get him to the teacher. And Monica's the teacher, okay? My job is not to teach. My job is to escort and make sure, all right, and she's done her teaching for the day, all right, now I'm going to get you safely home to mom and dad, all right, and you have a seat, all right? Great, it's the next day, come on. My job is to make sure this happens every single day until the teacher has fully taught. Okay? This is the purpose of the law. It drives us to the teacher. Who do we think the teacher perhaps could be in this scenario? Jesus. Perhaps Jesus. Yes, it's the Sunday school answer, right? They're really amazing. Dave said it great last week. He said, you know, the funny thing is we joke about Jesus being the answer, but he is. <laughs> he really is. That's the exciting thing. The law takes us from a place of ignorance and unawareness about where we are. <laughs> I love you, man. It's okay. Hey, we, we've got you educated, though, here, okay? All right, right? There you go. Until we have learned what we are supposed to learn from the master. Does the law do the teaching? No, 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 no. The law puts boundaries and guidelines around you until you can get the education that you need to see the sinfulness of our souls. Does this make sense? Oh, I love this. This is so great. We have to understand what the purpose of these things are. All right. This is, as Paul said, the function of the law. It was there. Here's your blank. To lead people to Christ. It could not take them into Christ's presence, but it could take them to a position where they might enter for themselves. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That we might be, what's the word? Justified. Can the law justify Say it with me. Can the law justify? Can the, can the law... Come on, guys. Really? Because there's 613 of them in there. It looks to me like somewhere in there we could get some justification. Can the law justify? Who can justify? Jesus can justify. You have to be a righteous judge to be able to pronounce a declaration of justification. And that's what the law does. It's a declared righteousness that we might be justified by what? Faith. Barclay's got a great line here. He says, What then is the consequence of the law? It is to drive everyone to seek grace because it has proved human helplessness. In verse 25, this is so beautiful. This is, this, is, this is beautiful. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. We no longer need the pedagogue to take us here and back and here and back and here because we have the relationship now. Right? This exists. Robertson's New Testament word pictures. The pedagogue is dismissed. We are now in the school of the master. That's awesome. 
Darla sent me a quote by Wearsby. I gotta, I gotta use this. This is a great one. It says the law has performed its purpose. The Savior has come, and the guardian is no longer needed. It is tragic that the nation of Israel did not recognize their Messiah when He appeared. God finally had to destroy the temple and scatter the nation, so that today it is impossible for a devoted Jew to practice the faith of his fathers. He has no altar, no priesthood, no sacrifice, no temple, and no king. All of these have been fulfilled in Christ, so that any man. Jew or Gentile, who trusts Christ, becomes a child of God. These things were so that we would have this relationship with Jesus Christ. It was not so that we could check off this list of 613 things. So, Jim, what's the point? I'm glad you asked. Number one, the law has, present tense, has a purpose. Stick that mirror in my face, right? So what do I do with that purpose? Well, know that the purpose of the law is to bring me face-to-face with the reality of my sin. And here's the beautiful thing. The purpose of the gospel is to bring me face-to-face with Jesus. The only one capable of dealing with the reality of my sin. Right? Because I... I've got a problem, right? I put the mirror up to my face and I go, I have a problem. I, I, can't, I can't fix the problem that I see, but I know somebody who can. And he can do it once and for all. And it's a beautiful thing. So application number two. New Testament believers are not under the law. We are not under the law. If you were to read all 613, there would be somewhere around 50 to 75 words that you would not recognize. And it is good for us that we are not under the law. Because if we're under the law and we have to do the things that we don't even recognize the words in the sentences, we're in trouble. Right? So what do I do with that? Number two at the bottom on personalization. Stop working for and worrying about my salvation. It's not mine to work for. It's mine to believe for. Right? Jesus did the working. I do the believing. It's a great, great setup. So application number three. What's the point? Jesus fulfilled the law. He did. The law was in place to help. This is another purpose of the law, to help identify who the Messiah was. Who's the perfect sacrifice that is once and for all going to make sure that God is satisfied, right? All the bloodiness of Leviticus, you know, kill a goat every 10 minutes, all that bloodiness was trying to atone, to bring, to reconcile God and man, and it didn't work, right? That, that didn't work because it, it only lasted for this long. It would last for this long, and then the next week or the next month or the next year, you had to do it again. And the next week or the next month or the next year, you had to do it again. And the next week and the next month and the next year, you had to do it again. And it was just thousands of years of kill a goat. (laughs) It doesn't work. And then Jesus comes along, and he's the perfect sacrifice. And his blood atones for all sin at all time, forever. And it only has to be done once. And you go, praise the Lord. That's awesome. That's the difference. So Jesus fulfilled the law. So trust in Jesus' fulfillment of the law. And number four, application. So what's the point? Jesus is better than me. Yep. Because when I look into that law, I see flaws. When he looked into it, not a problem. He fulfilled it. He did it. He was the one guy that ever lived that actually did it. And because he did, he strengthens us to praise him. So what do I do with that? We'll praise his name. So what's the purpose of the law? to bring me to a place where I can know Christ, to show me my sin, to protect us, to provide safety for us as we walk through life, 
but to ultimately, ultimately bring us to the place of understanding the reality of my sin and my inability to deal with it, and that Jesus can. That's the law, guys. And I love that Paul took his time and walked us through and made sure that we understood it. Because can you imagine what would have happened if those Judaizers that were going into those churches in Galatia had won the day? What if what, if what came out of those meetings in the Acts chapter 11 and 15 and 19 was that, yeah, y'all got to keep the law? Oh, we would have missed it. We would have missed it. It's not for us. So thank you for being here this morning. Hope you learned something today. The law is an amazing thing when used appropriately. Uh, in the middle of your table is a piece of paper. It says Sunday School Weekly Update. There's some announcements on that. It's also a space for you to write your prayer requests. Uh, make sure that your name is printed on that attendance section. That's how we take attendance. If you'll pray over those prayer requests as a table, and then you are dismissed. Thanks for coming, guys.